This podcast is brought to you by our partners at 8 Star Energy. 8 Star Energy, a clean energy company, leading the future of portable and renewable energy. To find out more, follow them on Facebook at 8 Star Energy. I want attacking purpose for football all the time. Now we've got our backs against the wall and we're going to fight and we're going to fight hard. You've got to show me all the guts and all the determination you've got in your body. You've got to inspire me. A marvellous kick. That's as good as you'll ever see. And it puts Graham back in front. I don't know about you guys, but if I see one bloke walking out of here, give the pat on the back from people out there for a good effort, I'll spill up. From inside the centre square, boys kick the goal. Boys kick the goal. From inside the centre. F*** <laughs> <laughs> Hey friends, welcome to Danny Boyd podcast about the greatest uh, football club. And in, in anywhere, the James Webb Telescope has looked deep into the furthest recesses of space and confirmed we're still the absolute greatest. That is the Footscray Football Club, Petrarch Limited, trading as Western Bulldogs. I'm Danny McGinley, he's Tom Boyd, and joining us is the, uh, what I like to call the, the, the Pete Best of our podcast, the, uh, the official member who just doesn't get the credit in the title, but Chaz Licadello, welcome back. You are too kind, Danny. Nice to see you again, Tommy. Yeah, it's good to uh, good to have you here on this uh, somewhat uh, mediocre week, I would say. Well, you say that. Me and Chaz are official, and all of the fans are at panic stations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Danny and I watched the Sydney game at the SCG live together, and... Uh, it was a good bonding experience, Boydie. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, it's almost like group therapy, sitting <laughs> yeah. through it, trying to work out how to deal with your trauma. Do you know I, what it's I like? I think you uh, know how badly we're going by the number of times I watch a game. Like, I've got this perverse <laughs> <laughs> perverse quality where the more we – I've only watched this 2016 grand final on TV once. That I've watched so the 2020 weird. grand final five times, right? And <laughs> I've watched so that Sydney game three times in three days. <laughs> what did you learn? I learned that we're not very good at the moment, Danny. Whoa, <laughs> that's huge. Uh, uh, sorry, Tom. The thing I should say, uh, which I reckon I reckon one thing I did learn from watching it over and over again was, okay, we know the defence isn't great at the moment, but the thing which I think a lot of people didn't talk about, which stood out to me, was, and this is something that was very clear watching it again and again, was it wasn't so much the defence that was it wasn't so much defend the actual acts of defending that were the major issue it was the fact that when the ball spilt off a contest the swans always had more people in the 50 and i think it's because we play so many players that aren't defenders in defense they tend to move towards the contest mm. which leaves the actual forwards standing by themselves so if we don't win the contest we're screwed and that happened over and over and over again. They just kept on turning the goals. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's like one of the biggest things they preach at the top level, which is essentially they call it balance. So it's a it's about getting sort of full coverage around where the ball is or where the contest is or where the stoppage is. But then it's also balance in terms of how close you get to the ball, right? So that would be called depth in that scenario where it's, okay, my man's running into the mess, 
I'm going to stay three or four metres off the ball, always adjusting to where it's sort of bobbling around because I know that if one of our teammates finally gets a clean possession, I'm going to be free and they can handball that to me and we can either obviously have a shot on goal or find my find another teammate or, or whatever it may happen. But it's a, it's a sign of a really good team that do it well. I mean, I think back to like Hawthorne, they were particularly good at it for, for a number of years. Um, uh, and I would say even Richmond were very good at overwhelming teams with sort of just numbers and a rolling mall of players um, during their height of their three uh, grand final victories. We were pretty good at it in 2016. Yeah. How did we? How do you? How do you lose that skill? I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, because everyone goes, oh, we're, you know, we're not kicking the ball particularly well, and you know, and you, like you said, we're not, you know, we're not getting players that are sort of balanced around the stoppage or. Our defenders aren't doing so. It's usually like symptomatic of a team that's sort of like not quite on the same page. They haven't played a lot of footy together. There's a few moving parts. One bit's not working well. Like, because if you think back to 2016 when things were going really well, every part of the ground was connected properly. And it meant that, you know, that kick that we miss because it's tight and you're trying to force a kick through. It was easy because the player was in the right position and we'd you know, move the ball to the open side or whatever it may be. And I think, like, yeah, so many other issues pop up when you're not quite on the same page as a team and you haven't played a lot of footy together and things aren't going your way. And and then, what do you mean we haven't played a lot of footy together? We've, this is, this the core play, team has been together for I'll, a pretty long time. I, wouldn't, I would say a lot of our players that are playing at the moment have been in and out of the side. I mean, and you can't, you can't just say that, you know, we've got, you know, three or four midfielders or five midfielders that have all played together and played really good footy, but you can't have that as the only stable part of the team. Like, we've, I would say we've had a lot of in and out this year um, across the board. Yeah, that's true. Our combined defenders played together for about uh, 20 minutes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and what, yeah, and what did we, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Um, and we, have, what are we, how many players have we played this year? A lot, I would say. Oh, we always play a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad Ben Dendo finally got up because yeah, he, uh, he was like the only player who didn't get a game on the list last year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I ask on that? The, it seems uh, – I, I wonder what your view on this is, Tom. Like with, as far as depth goes, it seems like – I feel like apart from midfield, whenever we have a single injury, like one injury in the back line or one injury in the forward line, we, it, it tests our depth. It seems like we don't have depth anywhere but in the midfield where we have like a 500 midfielders. They can just come in and roll in or out. But just, yeah, it just – like you look at, say, Carlton, who have had they've, – they've had like two or three entire back lines injured during this year, but they always seem to have another person to cover, whereas we lose one tall defender and we're short. We lose one – we lose Taylor DeRay and we've got no one to play on Charlie Cameron. We lose one – we lose Cody Waitman. We've got no small forwards. Like, is, it, it, how's that happen? This seems a bit weird to me. Yeah, I mean, I think probably a, a number of factors over the years in terms of recruiting and, like, where you do have holes in your list. I mean, every team has holes. So, you know, it, whether it's at, at the ruck position or particularly at any key position players, rarely I would say teams have a sort of abundance of extra players to step in and play that role. Um, like, the Taylor DeRay role is kind of like a unique one. He's sort of that, you know, can play big, can play small. He's, you know, obviously, you know, played a lot of good footy. It's hard to replace someone like that. I would say. Um, but in terms of the midfield, like if you think about the complexion of players in the AFL, I would say of smaller players, 80% were midfielders their entire junior career. Like yeah. probably more. <laughs> like because everyone who's under six foot four pretty much 
<laughs> plays through the middle of the ground if they're any good when they're playing juniors. So I think in terms of being able to actually go back and step into that role, it's probably the closest apples for apples position from junior to senior. Um, that's why you see so many midfielders come in and actually play well early in their career. But I think the other thing is like when you talk about depth, it's also, you know, when I think back to the times when I was playing and the team was going really well, whilst we used almost all of our players um, over the course of a year, we had like 15 guys who played every single week. And then the changes happened in the sort of back seven rather than we've got 10 players who are playing every week and then 12 players are changing all the time, which really sort of destabilises the team, I would say. And also that the, um, the last two drafts, I mean, while both Darcy and JUH might end up being superstars, um, it's cost us a little bit in depth because that was one person we drafted instead of four. Uh, well, I don't, th- I mean, I think when you actually do the math, I think it probably has been pretty consistent across years in terms of how much list turnover we have. Yeah. Like you basically turn over 20% of your list every single year. So eight or nine players generally go in and eight or nine players go out. So it's not like we haven't had a, a sort of turnover. I think uh, when you do draft key position players, you do obviously probably forfeit uh a little bit of depth in the initial part for two years or whatever it is until they develop long enough. And by the way, I'm hearing very good things about how Sam's oh, going. Oh, yes. We're going to talk about the open training coming yeah, up. I'm hearing <laughs> uh, hearing very, very good things from uh, some of his teammates about how, you know, just how well he's progressing, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, too, I mean, it does sort of delay the top-up midfielder or the, you know, you know, extra small defender or small forward that you do pick up in the draft if you do pick up key position players, obviously. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, uh, you know, we t- you talk about <clears throat> players not playing consistently in the senior list. Wasn't this the whole point of bringing in the VFL side Footscray so, who would have the same game plan as the AFL so it wouldn't change, you know, your, yeah. your, 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 your role too much? Yeah, but game plan is one thing. Like playing VFL compared to AFL is just like whether the game plan is the same or not, it's so much different. Like, it, well, there are so many players that I've played with over the years who were genuinely in the top 10 or 15 VFL players in the comp. And they got onto the AFL stage and were just like, it's they're not fast enough, or they're not big enough, or, you know, they're not fit enough. There's always some, you know, particular athletic trait or skill trait that just leaves them absolutely found out um, at the top level. So, yes, you can play the same way, but... It's not the same game. I guess the same quality. All right. Is there anyone who's the opposite? Is there anyone who uh, was really good at AFL but struggled at VFL level? Could that happen? Yeah, it definitely can happen. Like skinnier players in particular, so outside wingers, half forward flanks, like so, like yeah. Fletcher Roberts. No, Fletch was an no, absolute was at superstar at VFL. Yeah. Just trying to think who's skinny. <laughs> Fletch might have been like the greatest VFL footballer. <laughs> Just about ever, I reckon. Um, between him and Jongy. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, definitely smaller players. So, like, players who sort of rely on um, space and time. Because at VFL level, whilst it's not as quick, it's often on worse grounds against a lot of, like, sort of tough, miserly midfielders, a lot of stoppages, which doesn't, yeah, doesn't benefit. And there's more punching, like, there's a bit more niggle in the yeah. VFL because players are wanting to, you know, well, show that they can get to the, the AFL. They're still fil- uh, filming those games on a camcorder, so you can, get a, you can get away with a few more. That's my dream. My dream is to do commentary for the VFL feed. I reckon one day I might get there. Uh, I, think, I think that's Mitch Hunting Church, maybe not. Uh. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, Chaz, your, your up, best work is always in standard definition. <laughs> yeah. Just to pick up on, on Danny's question about the VFL, though, I mean, if you look back on on 26, the 2016 team, the team was filled with people who came through the lower leagues, were low draft picks, were rookies. I mean, let me just – this is another thing I've been thinking about recently. Let me just reel off. <laughs> Some of the team got the rookies were JJ, Matty Boyd, Shane Biggs, Dale Morris, Liam Picken, Luke Dalhouse. They're pretty good rookies, right? And then we've got low picks, Hamline, Roberts, Zane Cordy, Tori Dixon, Caleb Daniel, and Hunter. That's 12 of the 22, right? Since Dalrymple left, who's the guy who built that team in 2018, the, 20, the 2018 draft, 2019 draft, 2020 draft, let's leave 2021 out. These are all the picks below pick 40 that we've had, right, in total. Ben Kavara, 45, Will Hayes, 78, Riley Garcia, 62, Louis Butler, 53, Bedendo, 55, Lockie McNeil, rookie, Rourke Smith, rookie, Lockie Young, rookie, Jordan Sweet, rookie, Anthony Scott, pre, pre-season. Now, those guys, some of them might be great. Like, you know, it's early days for some of them, but there's no JJs there. There's no Dale Morrises there, right? It, like we're, people are talking about assistant coaches at the moment, but no one's talking about the recruiters. Like, it, it, do we have a recruiting issue? Maybe. Mm. I mean, I don't know. I like, yeah. I mean, the the JJ story is a very rare one. I would say across the board. Um, now, having said that, uh, I you know I thought Simon was doing a fantastic job. I think he's an unbelievable um, list manager, yeah, recruiting back back end of the the list management side of things. So, um, yeah, may, I mean maybe, but I think there's also the other the other question is you know what environment are you placing these rookies slash lower or later round draft picks into that gives them a chance to succeed. So if you think about um, JJ, uh, probably during the earlier parts of his career, I would say, you know, may have had some challenges playing, played quite a bit of VFL footy, developed his game. And then as we got good, he dominated. Um, Whereas if you put him in North Melbourne's outfit and expected him to just improve and improve and get to the, you know, the heights that he did, particularly in 2016, it's very unlikely to happen. So... um, yeah, like I was just just checked the lattice. We're thirteenth in the VFL as well, um, which which like again it it does hamper development when the team's not going as well. And I think also one of the things that VFL has been hit with really hard across the board has been during COVID. A lot of those players who were the sort of heart and soul of your VFL sides that you really needed. Um, you know, we had Bundy Barry, we had Jordan. Um, Jordan Russell, we had uh, Brett Goods for an extended period yeah. of time. Like we had these guys who just kept that team consistent. Uh, Anthony Scott was one of them as well. Um, and that allowed the young players who are playing VFL footy to have some consistency around them to help them develop. But across the board in VFL, it's not just at Footscray, a lot of those players have since left because the commitment is too much or you know they just you know got dis- disconnected from the club during uh, COVID or they didn't want to do the extra travel that's now involved with the Eastern Seaboard um, coming in. So I think that's probably hampered the development of players as well. Oh, yeah. what, what, what's your take, by the way, on this on the assistant coaches? Because on, on Channel 9, they're going about it endlessly at the moment. Yeah, the, a lot like, of my like, WhatsApp groups are pretty dominated with it. Uh, Thomas on Facebook wanted to know it. Uh, well, how much impact does a change of assistant and supporting coaches have on the head coach and playing group? Uh, look, I must say, of all of the insight I can provide around AFL and how it works, I've never truly sat in on a match committee. So that's that, obviously that's where the side's picked. Um, yeah. 
I don't know why they sit in there for like three hours talking about it. I don't know what they could possibly be talking about. I'm sure that it's I... Ca- it's catered. That's surely. You get nachos. <laughs> it is catered. Uh, there's definitely um, there there's definitely sandwiches and stuff left up there after match committee. But I, I mean, I could... I played footy, obviously, all of my life, but spent, you know, <laughs> uh, let's say eight years probably in semi-professional outfits or professional outfits. So last two years <laughs> of juniors. And I still, for the life of me, have no idea what they talk about in those meetings. <laughs> Because it's like you've got 18 players you're going to pick every week. Like there's 18 players who are almost all but guaranteed of playing the week after. And then you spend three hours talking about about four people. I just don't understand. Um, So in terms of their overall change, I mean, I yeah, I mean, I think it has an impact, uh, certainly. I mean, I think we saw probably a little bit of that impact in 2017 where they did the reshuffle um, of the assistant coaches where – Baba went to development and um, Stephen King, I think, went to coach the back line, if I'm not mistaken. And Gia definitely moved somewhere. Gia went to stoppages. Right. And this uh, is after we'd won it. This is after we won it. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's something to it. I, and I think because you spend so much time, um, I would say particularly in the backs and forwards um, with, these pl- uh, with these coaches, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a bit disruptive. Um, but I haven't seen much of the commentary that they're talking about at the moment. What's the sort of gist of their issue? The gist is they say... They say Stephen King moved on to the Gold Coast. Ashley Hansen moved on to Carlton. Corey, uh, uh, the, the, which which Corey? Which of the Corys? One of the Corys. Joel. <laughs> Joel Corey. Moved on to Frio. And all three teams have gone nuts ever since our three assistant coaches moved into those teams and our team hasn't gone so well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's interesting. I think the other thing, those coaches in particular that you mentioned, I mean, Ash Hansen would be another one. Um, who went to Carlton. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that. Sorry, uh, or Gia as well. Gia at Essendon. Gia at Essendon, sorry, is the other one. Um, Like, they're all senior assistant coaches. Like, they've been there for a long time. They're not assistant coaches who've just come in for a year. They're not – I mean – uh, most of them, I think, also have coached their own sides. So Gia and Ash both coached the VFL for a period. Um, And, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's disruption. There has to be, right? Um. And, yeah, I mean, I'd be interested. I, I truly don't have um, any understanding of how the new assistants are going. But, yeah, I mean, you, you can't imagine that it doesn't cause some disruption to the players. But you played under those coaches. Were they all guns? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. very, very good um, in multiple different positions. I actually really loved playing for Ash and Gia in the VFL at different stages. I thought they were both very, very good, very supportive of me, particularly when I was struggling. Um yeah, I mean, I, I liked all of them, to be honest, in, in different ways, different personality types, of course. But, um, yeah, you, I can definitely see why they're all doing well. Who is your favourite of all time? Who's your favourite coach of all time? In all your, mm. in all the, of, of, of people we've heard of. I'm sure there was someone at Norwood who, you know, nurtured you or whatever. Oh, dad. Good old dad. <laughs> yeah, no, boring answer. Uh, dad, <laughs> dad coaching me in the under eights was pretty bloody good. <laughs> is that how my daughter feels about me coaching Auskick at the moment, you think? Actually, uh, I'm the only coach does, she's ever does, had. So. Does your daughter like you coaching her in Auskick? She says she does. Yeah, I mean, I liked my dad at under eights. Then he sort of chopped out in under thirteens. Absolutely blued with him every single training session. Really? And then he coached me again in under sixteens, and we got along like house on fire. So it's probably more my character arc than anything <laughs> that drove these issues. Uh, I don't know who my favourite coach would be. Um, I love working with Ash. He was really, really good forwards coach. Um, Chia was great. I mean, I think I've shared with you before, but. 
Gia had this um, masking tape that he had taped on his desk. So he uh, obviously played his last game of AFL footy actually against me when I was at the Giants. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we kind of ruined that parade for him. Um, but on his table, Chaz, he had a masking tape that said, never forget how hard the game was. And that's something that all coaches should remember, particularly if they played at the top level, because it's so easy to coach from the sidelines and be like, why did you miss that kick? Or, you know, you should have done this, or you should have kicked it there. Well, it's great. What, what, do you, what were you thinking when you were out there as a player? And I think Gia, uh, he really always stuck by that in terms of his coaching. He'd challenge you. He'd um, he'd encourage you to go well, but he'd always be you know mindful that he uh, that he remembered exactly how hard it was to play at the top level. I think some fans could use that as well. Yeah, that bit of masking <laughs> yeah. tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bit of masking tape. It <laughs> says, "Don't forget, you were no good." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> next, time, next time we go to the SCG, Danny, we'll take the masking tape, put in the seat in front of us. Yeah, damn straight. <laughs> be ready to go. <laughs> Admittedly, though. The game was very, very, very hard for Jerry at one point in time because he played in the Peter Road years. So it, would be, <laughs> it might have been too hard at one point in time. Yeah. Jerry had a real period, I remember, of the yips. Just uh, like he would, he would kick those ama- these amazing goals, yeah. and then they'd miss the set shot, and then miss a set shot from fifteen yeah. out. Yeah. Anyway, but he was a very handsome man, and uh, still is. Yeah, and hey, great guy, great and guy. works it worked his absolute butt off as a player. I'm sure I didn't see it, but um, I heard stories. Like I remember um, hearing about Gia's last year because remember he was the sub all the time. Yeah, I, like I've got a, a theory on that. Yeah, uh, there was an uh, when Bob Murphy was writing uh, articles for the Age. Yeah, he wrote a tribute to Gia uh, one year. This would be 2012, yeah. just about what a great teammate he was and everything. Oh, he is. And then he said it's probably his last year. <laughs> Gia cracked it at that. It's just like why would you retire me? What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> and I think Gia stayed on another year just despite Bob. Maybe. I mean, he uh, he definitely, like, what I remember was he, when G used to play those games, he had to do running sessions at Eddie had at the time after the game. Oh, if you didn't get on? No, well, if you didn't play enough time. Because, oh, like, he'd, even if you played a quarter, you'd still need to do top-up running. Yeah, of course. So, oh, what a nightmare concept top-up running is. Do you know about <laughs> it, Chaz? I'm just... Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you, you need to... You need to uh, because if you don't do enough running, then you're going to actually lose fitness if you only play a quarter. Yeah, that's the idea, isn't that's it? That's so it, and it's up. a nightmare. Well, I've got an even worse one for you. Oh dear! So oh, yeah. when when at the Giants, when we used to play in the Neefel at the time, we used to do more running at the end of the game, even if we'd played a full game, because they said that it wasn't like up to the AFL standard. Oh. So we'd all get out there at the end of a game, dead set, bit. Uh, spotless it was called I think at the time And we'd all be lining up As the other team Walked off the ground To do sprints Oh That's so harsh what? That is And they wonder Why I left <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, so were you In the middle of the game in the, in the end of the fourth quarter You're thinking I better reserve myself A little bit here Because I've got some runs Afterwards so, so, the game. so psychologically The way that you deal With running Is you just go I hope they don't do it This week <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope we don't have to do sprints. Oh, okay. And then you're like, all right, boys, time to do some running. And you're like, great. Now that you start hoping that it's not like four sets, it's like two sets. Oh. You just like mentally just try and trick yourself into thinking it's not that bad. But this sounds like Shawshank. Hope, hope can kill a man. That, that's why the Giants are always so angry. 
They're such a yeah. <laughs> oh god! No wonder uh, Heath Shaw looked devastated after the 2016 prelim. He had he had five laps to go after that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got some uh, questions from the listeners. Just while we're on the panic stations yeah, and everything. Sorry, yes, yeah. Let's go. Uh, there all right. will be a grain of hope that we just have to. Oh, yeah. we, Let, the, we'll finish with the open training because yeah, we saw great. some really cool stuff there. Uh, all right. Well, Matthew Sutton uh, wants to know, how long will it take for our club to go and chase for what we need, a backman? <laughs> now, you're you're an expert on list management. Oh, absolutely. Spent all day thinking about what the uh, Western Bulldogs need. Uh, I don't know. Finding good good helps hard to find, as they say. Yeah. Well, what what have you heard? I mean, I'm, I know the answer to this, but have you heard anything about Rory Lobb? No. Yeah, oh, I think I, so. I, Move on. Backman. Well, they don't. Yeah. I know, but if we bring him in, then we can put. Uh, the the rumor is we put Norton down back. No, I think I, I didn't say it, it was a good you, rumor. You've got the the best contested mark in the comp. You put yeah. him up where the big sticks are. Like you have to. And like, also, I, also with Norton, when he takes his contested marks, he doesn't take them by standing there and just taking a mark. He flies like a nut, like Superman, and ends up injuring himself, jarring his knee or something. If he's a backman, the ball's spilling if he doesn't take the mark, and he's done. No, I don't know if you remember back to his first season, Chaz, when he was actually down back. Yeah. What, mate, he's a, just a star. He was a star from the first minute he walked into our footy club. But he made, he did none of the first preseason. He had these really bad groins. It was like, oh, we're going to take it slow with him. The first match sim they put him into, he took like nine contested marks. Oh, wow. And uh, as a backman. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, he's oh. good. He's going to play oh, so, this year. So you think we should put him back then? No, no, no. Keep him forward. Look. If you, I was actually reading this morning, rare as it may be that I actually read AFL news, but um, I was reading about um, Josh uh, Gablich. He's writes for the AFL. Yes, nice yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he does the um, AFL Daily pod. Yeah, for Nat- yeah n- nice guy, Rooster. Um, good looking, good looking kid. Is he? Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, he was uh, he was talking about Paddy McCartan, who's actually leading the company in set marks. So I think about that, and I think about how you know. Paddy, uh, amongst his concussion and stuff, was playing forward and he was having a, let's say, a tough time because playing forward in the AFL is the hardest thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that uh, he's a good example of how repurposing tools to play back actually works. And it has worked for a lot of different uh, forwards, Liam Jones being one of them. Oh, he yeah. Was a, yeah. He um, you know, really had challenges, I would say, playing forward in the AFL, but then moved back and was a, you know, a staple of the Carlton defence for a long time. He's not the only one. So I think that's maybe where we have some opportunity. Uh, hopefully we can find someone who can yeah, do a job for us back there. Can, can I just make a point on that, though? And that is, in the entire time you played for the club, Tom, we did not have a single gorilla Tall key position. Marcus back. Adams, we had. Oh, Dad. Oh, yeah, that's true. But that's, that's true. He was injured a lot, but we had him before. But actually, on that note, I mean, Adams, uh, Lewis Young, Liam Jones. What do they all have in common? Yeah, <laughs> they were all playing for us until we got rid of them. Well, yeah, I mean, Adams, so, Adams, Adams got rid of us. <laughs> well, and Marcus was injured a lot with us. Yeah, like, that's right. But, I mean, but I'm just thinking, you, know, you have to go back to Brian Lake for someone who was a consistent. Tall gorilla back for us. Or, or, I mean, yeah, I mean, Moz obviously played. Moz was medium. He wasn't tall. Yeah, but he played big. No, no, that's what I'm saying. We, 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 we've kind of 
we've kind of used people like Easton Wood and Dale Morris and people, and we've tried to get Ruckman to go back, you know, Jordan Roughhead and Trent. Well, hey, yeah, Ruffy's another one who went back and played 125 games in five years for Collingwood. Or whatever. Yeah, that's right. 25. I, mean, I don't think he, he missed like two games. Oh, he man. had an unbelievable run for them and he played fullback. So, so why do you think we keep on losing these fullbacks when we desperately need a fullback? I don't know. I mean, like, uh, does Bevo hate uh, defenders as no, much as he, he loves tall? De- loves defenders. He doesn't like tall people that much, <laughs> unless they're good. Which, uh, yeah, they're always the hardest to find. I don't know. I think, um, yeah. I mean, maybe they just don't fit into the way that we defend. I mean, historically, we've always played like these. You, you needed to be quicker and more agile to play defense with the Western Bulldogs because we didn't play on anyone. Like we always played as like sort of this moving zone, sort of half, half, uh, one and a half men they used to call it, which is essentially you need to cater for your man and then also be able to help out your teammate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so like, I mean, at times, Chaz, I mean, most people don't realise this and we didn't do it all the time or we, we did it every now and again, I would say. But we played sometimes with only five defenders. We play an extra defender up at the stoppage because they were, we were so good in terms of our ability to help our teammates, that we could play one uh, defender down. Now it feels like we're playing about four defenders down at times. They were good times. On on, on that note, my theory actually is that while it would be great to have a gorilla, we we often haven't had a gorilla, but what we used to have heaps of and we did fine with was interceptors. Yeah, That's what we have less of this year that we used to have heaps of. And I think the retirement of Eastern Wood, and in particular, and also the last few years he wasn't what he used to be like the uh and and a few of the other defenders we had rolling around Hayden Crozier's lost form and so forth I think that's really hurt us because I think right now a major interceptor is like Ed Richards who's not really not really interceptor like we 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 have heaps of yeah I mean it's always chicken or the egg right like I always encourage people to (laughs) if you think the problem's one place always think about it more like where the the actual problem lies so the fundamental principle that we put on our midfielders when we were successful in doing exactly what you just described in terms of intercepting defenders was they needed to have pressure on the ball all the time. So the only ball that was allowed to go into our back 50 was a high ball that was kicked over hands or under pressure. It wasn't, hey, handball, 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 and then just run forward and be streaming into their uh, the, the opposition's forward 50 and finding a teammate. It had to be under pressure because otherwise our intercept defenders were always found out. Um, because they were playing in front or they're playing off their man. Um, but, yeah, so I'd say that we're probably struggling in the middle of the ground as much as we are um, down back. Oh, good. Go. We're, we're not dominating as the as Chaz, as Chaz pointed out in earlier episodes. We have to smash the opposition yeah. in the midfield in order to win. By the way, you sit and watch a game with Chaz. He's got champion data on his phone and he is <laughs> reeling off stats nonstop. Yeah. Which would be, I imagine, Chaz, would be really helpful in a game when not being absolutely thumped in because you just made me depressed. Yeah, and I make myself depressed too. It's very stressful. (laughs) Yeah, just torture yourself. The worst part is he was given ammunition to Daisy behind us. Now, we sat in front of a, how old do you reckon she was? I would say about 80 Oh, at least maybe at least an eighty-year-old grandma who look and, and but one of the good things about being thumped is especially when you're playing interstate is you there's a lot of scope to be funny. The opposition fans are in a good mood, so you can you yeah. can ramp up the gates. Like when we got a, our first goal, I think they'd already chucked on six. Yep. I just jumped up like we'd won the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then Daisy starts giving it to me, just like, uh, just she's like, do you even understand football? <laughs> Which might actually be a valid question up in Sydney. <laughs> like half the crowd's probably just there because they got a free ticket. It's or... true. She she was actually great. We had great banter. I said to her at one point, uh, you know, do you have grandchildren? She went, yes. I go, you're now my second favourite Sydney granny behind 2016. <laughs> It, it is funny though the, uh, the 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 Sydney the Sydney crowd they actually they actually do have I've never seen this anywhere else they've got these these things Tommy which are kind of these these shakers that create fake applause yeah <laughs> and then the clappers. crowd yeah, yeah. Board clappers. Clapping. yeah they just wave this, this 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 fake applause to make it sound three times as loud it's very we're, we're going to create atmosphere one way or another up here Chaz. <laughs> <laughs> And they, we also we talked about this, Chaz. We'd never seen this before. They left halfway through the last quarter when they're winning. Yeah, they did. They <laughs> was, we've got to we've got to go home. <laughs> oh, if they start playing the fake applause from like the you know the fake crowd noises, I they, the GWS yeah, playing that. Yeah. yeah, if they do that, that's that's the line. But then that was another scope to be uh, to be a, a, a funny person because uh, as they're walking out, going, "That's it." Piss off! You've lost. Get he really out. did. He really did for five minutes. Of just abusing people, leaving about how pathetic their team was. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Which I wouldn't do if they were actually losing. It's only funny because yeah. they're they're well ahead. All right. Uh, another question we've got. This is from Dave. Open to both of you. What's more realistic? Olympic Donuts Caravan being installed as part of the Whitnoval redevelopment, or Luke Beveridge Comedy Night at the Comics Lounge? <laughs> Chaz. Um, I've heard a lot. So you probably know more than I do about about Luke Beveridge's comedy. I've heard that he gets that gets people to tell jokes inside the. Yes. Oh, that's the true. Walls. Yeah, no. Is that right? Toby McLean told us that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, he was big on. Uh, he actually opened his coaching career, if you remember. Um, uh, by talking at a press conference when he said, he says, well, look, it's nice to meet you all. Um, you know, what are you going to call me? You know, for perhaps not going that that well. And he's like, they're like, what is this guy on about? And he goes. Lukewarm beverage. Hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. Well, certainly the guy who carries around that moustache has got to have a, some kind of taste of comedy, I would have thought. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, Jeezy's press conferences have changed a bit since that. <laughs> <laughs> the first one yeah. is uh, cracking jokes and the second one is, uh, yeah. Well, you guys are missing the point here. The Olympic Donuts caravan really does need to be part of the Witten Oval. I, well, I think so, yeah. It, it needs yeah. to be, like, have its own stand. Like, we should, because one of the great things about... Have its own stand. We've got some, <laughs> probably not. Well, you know, as in be integrated <laughs> in part of the architecture. Yeah, there's like all these like wonderful people have been involved in the footy club. We're going to name the stands after donuts. Yes, that's a great idea. No, because one of the great things that I've missed about, uh, well, AFLW games uh, pre-COVID is there was all these great uh, food, food truck. trucks. Yeah. You had the Vietnamese, the Ethiopian, the yeah. the you know the the white people food for boring people. Yet it was really good. I hope that's integrated part. But also. Um, you know, how you get a gig at the Comics Lounge is uh, you've got to be recommended by one of the headliners. All oh, right. So, uh, Bevo, you know, and, and like not just one, like two or three of the regulars need to do it. So, if Bevo wants a gig, he's going to have to ask me to put a word in. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's going to ask you, no. he's going to ask Will. Yes, and Doug Chappell. <laughs> yeah, and Doug Chappell. So, the three of you are going to need it. We him. could get him a gig, but the problem is he needs to work on how he deals with hecklers because if Tom <laughs> Morris is there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Uh, all right. Um, let's go for some positives. Yeah. I went to the open training. I talked about this on the Patreon episode. By the way, get involved in the Patreon. We do a yeah. bonus episode every on the off weeks. Yes, we do. We do an episode every week together. Only half of them are available to the general public. Yes. And we, we get a bit more in depth on... True. Uh, and, and you can ask... Uh, we get to a lot more questions. Yep. So if you want to get into the inner sanctum, only five bucks a month. That's less than 17 cents a day. It's a, it's a coffee. Yeah, oh, mate. Yeah, it's a coffee a month. You have more than that. Yeah, surely, everyone, you listening right now, even if you don't drink coffee, you, you spend more than that on baby chinos. Anyway, went to the open training, saw, uh, met, met a few of the, uh, the, the, the fans out there. I want to give a shout out to Steph, who, uh, who got a photo with me. And, Thank uh, you, Steph. And uh, she, you know, I asked, who's your favourite uh, guest? She said, Toby McLean. So, good answer. Toby back. Uh, no, he's no, back playing. No offence, well. Chaz. No, uh, <laughs> Man, oh, and I've got. Are we still doing the uh, the uh, the the award every week for our sponsor? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Because oh, I've got one. Good. Should we should we do the plug and everything? Yes. Buy your house from Jazz Stevens. Jazz yeah. Stevens. <laughs> the Jazz Stevens Award for uh, uh, great penmanship uh, goes to Robbie McComb. Oh. Absolute legend. Uh, my son wanted Cody Wakeman's autograph. Fernchie Cully, Gully Boy. And uh, he, uh, it's, it's very hard to get to Cody Waitman at the end of open training. Yeah. It was like Dawn of the Dead He's towards very him. Very popular. Yes. And uh, the kids were a bit uh, sad about that. And no one was really going to Macomb. Uh, and so it was easy to get him. And he signed. Uh, we, and also my kids had their footy cards. And they don't have a Robbie McComb one. Yeah. So, but the the club had put all these activities on, and they had these coloring books that just given. He signed the coloring books. What a good man! Absolute hero, Robbie yep. McComb. Well done. He's, well done, he Rob. He's a good man, but he'd be an even better man. Did he sign it as Cody Waitman or as Robbie? Because <laughs> <laughs> that would be an extremely good man. Yeah. Signs <laughs> signs over Cody Waitman's face so that you couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, I'm also going to uh, uh, give a thumbs down to the club. I mean, it was a great – we had a great day. But, the, but one of the big things was you could have a kick on the ground after training. So we finally got to that. My, a lot of the, the kids there were itching to get on the ground because they'd sat through an hour and a half of training. After 10 minutes, they go, all right, we've got another function coming up. And they were doing a photo shoot for NADOC week. Yeah. Whatever. Just have that an hour later. Yeah. Because there was some pretty devastated kids being told to get off the field. Can you get on – uh, Whit Noble on a regular day? If there's no training. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's always fun. I, I would have liked that it, the, the kids to get a little bit more time. Yeah, on the field or whatever. Uh, but uh, now, on a footy level, Josh Bruce looked awesome. Yeah. He looked – he was up and about – I saw him take a couple of really good marks. He was uh, in one of the match simulations. Him and Libba were going at each other. It was exactly what you wanted. Yep. So I was surprised he didn't play last week against yep. the Swans. He kicked four in the VFL, I think. I think so, yeah. yeah. Surely we're going to see him this week, hopefully yeah. against the, uh, the Saints. Yep. But Sam Darcy, first time I'd seen him up close. He's enormous. Yeah. Like very, skinny. Very tall. Very tall. After like, I'd say, three pre-seasons, he's going to be an absolute unit. So, yep. Chaz, whatever you say about, you know, may, you know, did that cost him the trust? No. We have absolutely <laughs> got the right person for the club. I don't care what uh, holes we needed to plug in the lane. You could put Sam Darcy in all of them and it'll work. Well, I, I noticed that in his, what, second VFL game, he won the ruck comfortably. And yeah, he's a twig. So can I, you can imagine when he puts on a bit of weight, he must. It'll have to be pretty good. 
Yeah, I'd, they haven't really spoken too much about where they see him playing long term, have they? I mean, because from all accounts, he can take a grab and he can kick a goal as well. So, I mean, like, the balance between him and Tim playing together would be pretty pretty cool. Imagine, like, because you've got two guys who can genuinely play forward, which is rare, and two guys who can genuinely play ruck. Um, it's a very, very good combination to have. Yeah. Although Tim English will probably, they've, I think the longer he stays at the club, the, the more they'll work on getting that kink out of his game where he kicks straight. We've yeah. got it. That's yeah, just not the Bulldogs right. way. <laughs> Help, mate. We, I don't know, talk about depth. We actually have an absolute a plethora of tools when they're like once, once Jamara, Sam, Tim, mm. Brucey, Aaron. Like are these all going to get in the same side? That's together? what I'm saying. Like, where are we yeah. going to fit them all? But surely by the time, like, Bruce has only got a couple. You know, Bruce is older. Yeah, but he's he's in such a good endurance athlete. So I mean, he's so fit. Oh, I like that. That's um, like, that's how you last. Like, if you can run, you, you last longer. I would say. And well, I, I, re- I remember ten years ago, Danny, we were kind of crying out for a tall forward. We've been wanting one since Chris Grant, basically. So we got them. Yeah, we've got them. <laughs> we're just. Jade Rawlings was fine. What are you talking about? <laughs> For one game. <laughs> Mitch Hahn. Mitch Hahn, what a champion. He was a gun. I love watching him play. Can I ask you, Tom, just as you mentioned, you mentioned the, the kicking for goal thing. Now, me and Danny have talked about this at length many, many times. But, like, do we do enough goal kicking practice? Because it seems oh, to have haunted us forever. No. Yes, <laughs> I can I, mean, pr- even, I can vouch. Even, even people who come to the club, like, who are as good kicks, like Cody Whiteman and... And Jamara, Hugo Hagen, all we heard about was our great kicks. And then but now they're kicking terribly as well. Like, now, Chaz, on? I've got great – sorry, this is the, the – thank you for, for bringing this up because this is something <laughs> I definitely wanted to mention on the pod. I was watching open training at the Geelong Road end in front of the scoreboard and at one point one of the assistant coaches came up and told everyone behind the goals – Move to the side because we're doing goal kicking practice. And I went, kudos to you for having the level of optimism that we're going to actually kick straight <laughs> in this practice. He should have been telling me, who was about uh, 20 metres uh, to the side of the point post, mate, we're going to do some goal kicking practice. You might want to go up the other end. I have a theory, Chaz. Yeah. I don't know if this is real. Maybe it was just an excuse I like to use when I miss goals. Um, they spend all week, all year, all the time training at Wittenover, which I'm not sure if you guys have realised, it's quite windy there. Yes. Very, very windy all the time. Squally, they say. And sometimes to the point where you actually learn how to kick straight in terrible conditions. Oh. Ah. Which is a completely different experience. Playing at Etihad is unique um, in Australia. We don't have any other indoor grounds. Nope. Not with a roof, uh, which is essentially the biggest difference. So no wind is very strange to play in. So maybe we, that's our biggest problem. We spend 12 rounds a year or whatever kicking in no wind as opposed to you know kicking in windy, wet and oval conditions. All right, Chaz, how do we solve this? I... Uh we, we we break into Etihad. Correct. And, yes. and train so, there against their will. You just gave your full Footscray credentials there because you didn't say we asked to train at Etihad. <laughs> By the way, Marvel, what no. Doc Lands, you say we break in. You have just, <laughs> that's the way. That's the Bulldogs way. <laughs> and I also appreciate how you didn't go to the, well, in this redevelopment of, of Wittenoble, we put a roof on it. Oh. No. God, no. Oh, we put the donut shop on the roof. That's a good idea. 
What I want yeah, is ultimately I want a food court with a footy oval there. Yeah. <laughs> you want, yeah, you yeah, want a shopping like the Olympic centre. Hot dog, the Olympic donut stand is going to be so big. It will yes. block out the wind. And it's, it's got its own massive. cinema. So you can go anytime we go to Whitnoble and we lose, they just put the uh, they put a, a, a game where we win on name a game on DVD up oh, there. I mean, I, I just think back to some of the training sessions and games that I played at Whitnoble, which are genuinely like impossible. It was like at seventy five miles an hour, the ball just doesn't go where you want it to go. We played this game in the VFL. It was actually the game that I. Uh, it was in two thousand and sixteen, I think. It was before I got back into the side. Um, and at quarter time, we were sort of two points up or something against Coburg after we'd played against the win for the first quarter. And Sounds then good. genuinely, uh, like it's a six or seven goal breeze. So we've, we played really well. And Stephen Grace at the time was talking to us about, um, you know, like this quarter, don't bomb it, do all this stuff, don't fall into the same traps that we made them fall into. And then as he's talking, the wind does a full 180. <laughs> And starts blowing seven goal breeze the other direction. And at, literally at the end of his address, we all like go, and one of the coaches taps him and goes, that wind swung around, mate. He goes, oh, no, it hasn't. He goes, oh, it has. All right, boys, same as the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Never seen anything like it. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, Chaz, do you want anything? Do you have to plug anything? Have you, have you, your new TV show's being announced or anything? Or? Oh, no, we got, we came back on Playing America in a couple of weeks, but I don't think there's much overlap there, so don't worry. Is there anything happening in America that we need to know about? Seems fine. Uh, there's an election coming up. That's why we're coming back. Uh, there's a mid, in the midterms. It's, uh, yeah, it, just, you, just, it's basically usual st- situation in America. Everything's screwed <laughs> up. You know how it is. It's just, they're all yelling at let's each focus, other. Let's focus on the football because the Bulldogs are doing better than America is. Let's put it that way. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No comment. Um, <laughs> Tom, you, your your book is very close. Yeah. Uh, so oh. you get a well, probably. When are we launching this today? This is on today. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you yeah. get a one day head start to the rest of the general. Oh, public. Is this out tomorrow? No, pre-orders will be out tomorrow. Um, Um, That'd be the 15th of July. Yeah, all uh, announced tomorrow. So Nowhere to Hide is the name of the book. Um, I wrote it myself, Chaz, would you believe? Uh, You know, don't ever say that big guys aren't, you know, sort of smart. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so so if you do uh, really want to get behind the scenes, I suppose, in terms of my football experience... Please give it a read. I hope it's helpful to people. And just on the Ghost Rider, I, I won't uh, out this person, but a friend of yours and mine uh, who I went to the football with, let's just say at the Hawthorne game. And I, this is I a, don't have a Ghost Rider, just so you know. I know, I know. He did for his book. Oh, yeah, okay. Right. And I'm not going to say who this uh, very well-loved Australian entertainer is who goes for Hawthorne, who I went to the football <laughs> with. <laughs> but his book is also coming out and uh, he, uh, you know, helped, had some help. Yeah, let's just say I had help don't get me wrong well, spell check yeah but as in here this is the bit of a structure to sort of follow and then I wrote it as opposed to yeah do you know on uh, once I found Dipper's autobiography in a op shop and I bought it for Limo as, yeah. a, as a joke and it literally has forward from you know one of his coaches and then there was a section by the ghostwriter it literally said that oh really <laughs> yeah wow. I like the honesty yeah I like the honesty too um, yeah, so very, very excited for that. So, sorry, your mate uh, who's, you know, supports not starting with L, I presume? No, uh, oh, no, no, this isn't Lim- no, Lima. Lima wrote his own book. Uh, Lima wrote his own it's book. It's just a collection of that. No, 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 this, uh, this, this very well-beloved entertainer. 
anyway, um, on another note, I'll plug Hairspray the Musical for no reason. Uh, coming out <laughs> in Melbourne very soon. Sure. <laughs> uh, what have I got to plug? Uh, I've probably got gigs around. Uh, if you ever want to see me, just hit me up on socials and I'll tell you where I'm performing. Uh, there is rumours of, uh, of some, some exciting news, but uh, nothing I can say at this point. So, uh, yeah, just yeah. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for listening. Tune in next week for the Patreon episode. And uh, and I'll see, oh I'll see oh I've got a gig this Friday night at the at, at Marvel Stadium yeah. for the six quarter game. Let's go. Today's episode was proudly brought to you by Eight Star Energy, creating energy for the future and power you can count on. Follow them on Facebook, Eight Star Energy. I give my childhood to that role. Of the red, white and blue sea And the knowledge that you had to love The bulldog boys and me Twenty years on, I feel that longing Hanging in September air But the reason I go every week Is to pretend you're still there And they will find the glory one day I will throw it at your feet It's a long, long road they're running for you The dogs of Footscray Streets It's a long, long road they're running for you Dogs and Footscray Streets